It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Loretta, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a good one uh, coming up today, um, especially uh, for people who are uh, avid readers. Um, coming up in the uh, second hour, I'm going to be talking with uh, an author named Martin Puchner, who um, has a book, a very interesting book, called The Language of Thieves, My Family's Obsession with a Secret Code the Nazis Tried to Eliminate. We'll be talking with him during the second hour of our three-hour tour. In the third hour, we're going to talk about workplace bullying with a Los Angeles-based uh, attorney and uh, advocate for uh, greater equality, safety, and transparency in the workplace, Ariel Windling, and uh, his co-author, um, M. Baron Myers, will be joining me in the third half of our three-hour tour. But coming up first, we're going to talk with a former journalist-turned-writer-turned-author, who has a uh, new book called Motown Man. And uh, for anybody who uh, grew up listening to Motown, as I did, that title uh, is catchy right off the bat. Anyway, his uh, name is Bob Campbell. He joins me by phone. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Tom. Um, the great American novel. is just, I know you, are, you do a lot of writing, but is this your first uh, book? It is, yes. Very first. And it uh, follows the story of an interracial couple who are living in a 
fading factory town rife with veiled racial tension. That sounds a little bit like Flint to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, <laughs> I'm a Flint native, and I, I borrowed he- heavily from Flint in in crafting the setting. Uh, I don't identify Flint by name, and the uh, there's a community that they lived in uh, called Grand Heights, which is entirely fictional. But but I, I borrowed heavily <laughs> from uh, um, from our community. And what? What was it, um, I, I guess I'm looking for the light bulb moment when you said, you know what, this this thought that I have needs to be a book. Well, um, I had wanted to write a book for a long time and um, didn't know how, <laughs> but it was something that was always kind of in the back of my mind. And once I became a reporter, um there was a story that occurred that kind of gave me an idea, gave me the initial idea for a story. And uh, that's kind of what set it off. And, and Bob, I, I didn't mention in the intro, and I, I intended to, that you were a staff writer for the Flint Journal, the Lexington Herald Leader, and also the Detroit Free Press. Um, what um, What happened to being a reporter? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I was ready for a change. Um, you know, I guess the old cliche, you got a little burned out and wanted to try something new. I mean, that's really sort of the, the, the long and the short of it. And, yeah, I, uh, I, I brought that up not to, um, you know, put you on the spot, Bob, but I, I just wonder, there are so many great journalists who've been pushed out by changes in newspapers and, and the media in general. And I just wondered if, if that had anything to do with your decision to get out of uh, journalism and, and do other kinds of writing, or if it was more of a creative growth. Um, yeah, I would say it was more of a creative growth, but I would say that my timing was pretty good in the sense that after I left, um, you know, there were some, already their changes were taking place in the industry with, with, um, you know, with online media, the internet, um, things like Craig, Craigslist and how that was really undermining the, um, uh, the advertising revenue that really the lifeblood of print publications. And so, um, when I left the industry, you know, a lot of those changes were really starting to have a, a, a sizable impact. But, but that's not what, why I left. It was uh, for creative reasons, as you pointed out, and, and for change. And, and what kind of writing have you been doing uh, up, up until uh, this book, Motown Man? Well, um, I worked for a trade publication covering the plastic industry, so that was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> there's yeah. so much more le- left to be known about plastic, right? What, what, what's that uh, that line from The Graduate? Plastics, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then after doing that for a few years, I moved into public relations and worked 
for uh, a public relations agency down in the Detroit um, area for a number of years and also have done communications for some institutions here in the Flint area. And, and all involving writing in, in, in most cases. And then the, uh, the book. Um, how was the writing process for the book? You said you always wanted to write a book but didn't know how. What, how, do you, how do you figure out how to write a book? Do you read other books? Do you... Um, yeah, that was part of it. Uh, certainly, you know, reading different authors that, uh, whose work I liked and respected. Also took some creative writing classes over the years here and there, both uh, in person, also did some uh, online type uh, activities. And then just a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, the book itself is kind of an outgrowth of some short stories that I had written, had started writing. Um, some of the, those early stories made their way into the book, most of them did not but that was kind of a uh, a training ground as well but but there was a lot of trial and error too and and then when i guess i'm just wondering where did you find the time to write a book and and how long has this process been for you yeah um you know there was a time when i could really right at night um and and at night i mean you know after 11 o'clock uh 12 o'clock particularly when i was single and later gradually it just became more you know more during the prime time hours of the evening so to speak is when i would find time to write and so you know as far as this book itself it was a long-term project but there were you know, starts and stops. So, you know, as far as I would say when I really started, um, you know, pulling it all together was probably about 20 years ago, if you can believe that. It sounds weird to even say that. Um, when I really, when I had moved back to Michigan and really sort of was able to, you know, the, the pieces were starting to kind of come together for me. So that's when I really started writing and probably knocked out the first draft in, I don't know, a couple of years, um, if that, and thought it was done <laughs> and realized that um, it, 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 there was a lot of work yet to be done with it. And then I put it away for a long time. Um, it, you know, I became a father and, you know, you know, that was, you know, primary focus as well as, you know, your daily activities of, of living and and working and so forth. Yeah, I would, you know, nibble on it here and there from time to time, but then we'll put it away. But then there was a time when I put it away again for probably five years or so. Uh, and at one point, I even thought that I had lost the manuscript because I had gotten a new Ooh. computer and hadn't moved that file over to a new computer but fortunately i still had the old hard drive and was able to retrieve it and um went back to work on it and then when i um a couple of years ago um 
2014, um, when I was between jobs, I had a lot of extra time during the day. And that's when I did a really heavy rewrite on on the manuscript and uh, trimmed it down some and um, really polished it up, worked with um, an editor and a beta reader and was really able to polish up the manuscript to become the book that it is today. And the the characters in the book, I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of curious. I, I always ask writers, you know, what came first, the story or the characters? Did you have an idea for a, a story or did you ha- and and cast people in that story or did you come up with some characters and then figure out what kinds of things might happen to them? Yeah, it was probably the the former. I had a story in mind and then the characters emerged from that sort of evolved as the story began to make sense to me. Now, you mentioned that, uh, well, we, we discussed the fact that, that Flint might be a veiled model for the, the city that this story takes place in. Um, but what about the characters? Were they based on people you know? Uh, yeah, you know, they're composites of different individuals, um, maybe different pieces of conversations that you've, you might have overheard in the barbershop or, or what, wherever. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a composite of, um, of people and experiences. Um, Martin, there's a lot I want to, Martin, I'm thinking (laughs) of the next hour. I don't know why that slipped out, but, um, Bob, the, uh, the book is called Motown Man and, we have a break coming up in about a minute and a half. Can you stick around and we'll talk some more? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my guest is uh, Bob Campbell. He's the author of a new book, uh, Motown Man, that uh, looks at an interracial couple looking to build a life together in a fading factory town rife with veiled racial tension. And um, and some of the interactions that happen between the characters. And we're going to get into... All of that, uh, Bob, when we when we return. Um, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio, uh, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And uh, then we'll return and talk some more with Bob. Coming up later on the show, I'm going to be talking with uh, author Martin Puckner, who uh, has a a new book called uh, Language of Thieves, My Family's Obsession with a Secret Code the Nazis Tried to Eliminate. And then in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Ariel Wendling and uh, Emma Baron Myers, about workplace bullying and uh, the hashtag MeToo app that promises to be of some aid in identifying and dealing with it. Uh, We'll be back with more right after this. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing and jingle bell ring. Snowing and blowing up bushes of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty, frosty air, what a bright time. It's the right time to ride the night away. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with uh, author Bob Campbell. His new book is Motown Man. It's available now. And uh, Bob, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks. Um, Bob, during the last segment, we talked a little bit about the writing process. We'll probably talk about that some more, but let's talk about the writing itself. The, uh, the story, as I understand it, uh, uh, springs from a conversation between two of the main characters. Um, can you give us a little synopsis of, of the book? We talked about the setting and, and the characters, but, uh, um, what, what is the story about? So it's a story of um, Bradley Cunningham, who's the main character. He's a hardworking, dependable, loving individual, capable automotive engineer. You know, his focus like so many of uh, his fellow Midwestern workers and, and, and uh, relations. He, had, you know, he's been working hard to preserve, you know, what uh, seems like a withering way of life in his Midwest industrial town. You know, and so, you know, he falls for, um, you know, this attractive reporter uh, in town. And, you know, slowly they build a relationship in in this community. And uh, and during a a unseasonably cold week in November, uh, you know, their relationship is really um, solidified and hardened. Uh, there's another character in the book, um, Bradley's brother, who's kind of a uh, a truth teller of sorts that uh, kind of helps to, you know, maybe bring some of the the the, the tension, the subtle tension that's around to the, to the surface. And and those tensions uh, come out of the fact that this is an interracial couple. Correct. And and the fact that. Um, there is, and, and this really is, is kind of a timely book because of the discussions people are beginning to have about systemic racism. And, and you describe this uh, fading factory town that they're in as rife with veiled racial tension. I love that phrase. Um, and, and the city itself, as a city, is, is challenging uh, or challenged uh, with the possibility of losing its own identity. Um, yeah. It's kind of a floundering city, like a lot of uh, Midwestern, especially factory towns, um, that have suffered a lot of job loss. But but this idea of, of racism um, is an important thing to talk about, and focusing on an interracial couple is an interesting way to examine it. Yeah, I thought there was a way to kind of introduce 
the, the tension into the story. And I, I, I you know, the, the idea that, you know, they're engaged uh, to be married. And I sort of use that whole engagement as a, an allegory of this, this challenge of how we go about, how we might go about building interracial achieving interracial communion if you will so it's a bit of a metaphor for kind of examining that issue and by that i mean you know whenever you know you know as people to people as once they become engaged you start having these questions about yourself um and your future spouses you know how you two will build a life together you know what what you what you bring to it, what you bring to it as individuals, what do you keep, what do you discard, what do you adapt? Um, and I think that's something that, you know, all couples sort of experience at some point, you know, will my family like will I like their family? Will my family like, you know, my you know, my mate? All those kinds of questions that kind of come to the surface. And so I kind of use that as a way to kind of explore some of these some of these issues. And does it have the the couple? Do they they question their own choices and and whether or not does it threaten their relationship? This this idea that uh, the two different communities might not be accepting of the other. Well, it certainly um, it it it. it, it each character goes through a period of self-examination about that. <laughs> um, this is um, a, a, an interesting story, to be sure, and, and a, a very interesting time to have this book come out for a couple of reasons. One, because of the conversations that are going on about race in this country. But also, it's it seems like a very tough time to be launching a book, especially a first book, during the pandemic. Has that created some extra challenges for you, Bob? Uh, not for, well, for me in the sense of just making me more anxious <laughs> when to get it out. Um, you know, I'm sure... Uh, yeah, my book is published by Urban Farmhouse Press, which is actually based in Windsor, Ontario, and it's a small independent press. And so, uh, you know, like many small operations, small businesses, uh, I'm sure that there were some challenges on, on that end in terms of being able to, you know, deliver on a, on a timeline while tending to all these other challenges. And I know that um, I, I, I read in the article, I think, in the New York Times not long ago about the, the, the challenges that uh, printers have been faced with during this period. And so um, from backlogs to, to, to a, a, an assortment of things. And so I'm certain that my publisher was up against some of those challenges as well. And so there was a bit of a delay in getting the book. Uh, out, um, and I understand. Uh, I understand that, but uh, you know, being a first-time author at the same time too, you're still thinking like, yeah, I understand all the challenges, but man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but not with what my book. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is this is my book. That's okay with everybody else's book. 
exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about me? Yeah. Is um, is yeah. the book available in in bookstores or is it uh, maybe easier to find it online? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's very easy to find online. Whether you go through the publisher UrbanFarmhousePress.ca uh, in Canada uh, or um, you know Bookshop.org or Amazon, Barnes and Noble uh, dot com. But I will, um, I'll be making around some of the local independent bookstores to have been in some conversations with um, Totem, uh, as well as Comma, the new one downtown. Yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely want to, you know, reach out to our local independent shops. Um, are you looking forward to that? Uh, for a lot of writers, I always ask writers this question because writing is, is kind of a solitary thing do you look forward to interacting with people and doing readings and signings and those kinds of things yeah actually i do because you know you spend so much time as you pointed out you spend so much time alone um, um creating this story creating these characters digging into some of these topics and issues and when you get an opportunity to talk a little bit about the story uh it's you know it, it's it's a lot of fun to be honest have you had uh any feedback or or reviews yet of the book how how is it playing uh i've had a lot of uh, support from my social media network and friends um i've also done um a um, couple of different interviews on um, um podcasts one um recently it was it was a, a a uh, interview slash review and they gave it very very um solid remarks thought it was a great story and that it was a, a story that's uh, you know you know perfect for the time um it, it is out for review with some other publications um and that's the the uh the publisher has has sent it out for for review and um i know that a couple are in the works just based on feedback that i've gotten so so uh in terms of the word i've had a lot of good word of mouth response from friends and supporters have you um gotten the uh uh the bug for for being the the great american novelist do you plan on uh, future books uh, yes, um, I would like to dig into, yeah, yeah, I would like to, to continue um, producing novels and stories. Um, I'm actually gathering strings on a couple of ideas now. Nothing has, hasn't really gelled yet, but um, a couple of ideas I've been, been kicking around in it, um, and in fact, the ideas may merge into a, a, a single story. Um, you know, one of the ideas um, I've been thinking about is something set against the backdrop of the front, uh, excuse me, the Flint water emergency. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, definitely. I, you know, I, I really enjoy the writing process. I also do some creative nonfiction essay writing too in my spare time. But I, I really enjoy when I when I can really 
pull myself away and 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 and, and get into that other space. It's, it's a it's an enjoyable experience, challenging for sure, but Did, uh, I enjoy the process. Do you outline the story first and and uh, um, and and then flesh it out or? Um, like some people, do you just start writing and it's almost like it's writing itself? Yeah, I, I did not outline Motown Man. However, I did begin with somewhat of an end in mind. So that was helpful. And I, and I think that tends to be a way that I like to write uh, in sort of knowing where I'm going, even if the, the, the route changes and even if the ending changes toward the end, at least gives me kind of an aiming point. As for, as for outlining, I'm beginning to do that now um, with some of the projects that I mentioned before um, or a moment ago. Um, you know, I've been outlining how this story might unfold, but, but in general, having said all that, in general, I just sit down and start writing and see where it takes me. Did you have a, uh, when you were writing this book, Bob, did you have an audience in mind? Who? Um, um, not, not really. I mean, other than the fact that I prefer literary fiction, you know, you know realism. And so my audience is, you know, re, you know that I envision are readers of that style of, of literature, you know, uh, literary fiction and, and, and such. So um, the other part of that too is, you know, um, you know, part of the, in writing the story, I wrote it because I thought it was just a story that I, one I wanted to to tell and I thought was worth telling. Um, now, what that audience looks like, I it's varied. I think it it I think it's women. I think it's men. I think uh, with some of the relationships that unfold in this story, I think um, um, you know black men and you know black the, the humanity of black men is is a theme of the story too. So I would hope that uh, you know I would find an audience there as well. Bob, you mentioned uh, some of the issues um, sort of in passing in the book. What are some of the issues, and, and what do you hope that readers will take away from the book? Well, I hope, first and foremost, that the readers will care about the characters, story, the characters in the story, that, um, you know, that they find them believable, credible and that they understand the um, challenges that they're trying to deal with. Um, in addition to that, um, communities in transition and how that impacts individual, you know, the lives of individuals is a, a theme of the story. Uh, another, you know, of course we talked about um, the racial dynamics that's that's a theme of the story um but male relationships is um 
part of the story too, whether it's uh, the relationship of the main character with his brother or with his father, as well as with, you know, some of the others around him that he comes into contact with. Did you have to do um, any research for this book, or are a lot of the things that are talked about, like, for example, uh, um, Abby in the story is a reporter, and you've been a reporter. Were you drawing largely on your own experiences, or did you have to do a little digging to, to fill in some of the information? Yeah, the, yeah, the newsroom experiences are um, drawn more from personal experiences. And when I say drawn from personal experience, I don't mean it in an autobiographical way, but just, again, being in, being in the environment and kind of understanding the pulse of the newsroom. One of my favorite passages of the story um, or in the novel is um, a newsroom scene and kind of how chaotic it can feel sometimes, um, you know, when you're on deadline. Um, you know, there's an energy, there's a verb to it that um, uh, that I miss sometimes, frankly. That, uh, so, so, you know, so that's drawn from experience. Um, some experiences. You know, I've worked in the shop for seven years. I uh, worked at AC. Um, so the the plant scene is drawn from experiences of having worked um, in um, in an automotive plant. Um, so, uh, and then as far as with some of the other aspects of it, you know, the research. Um, yeah, there was, yes, there was research, but as it related to certain events that I thought um, had a place in the story or could work well in the story and just trying to kind of get certain elements right. Um, so, yeah. Bob, you mentioned um, the Midwest a couple of times, and... Uh, being a Midwesterner, that always makes my ears perk up a little bit. Um, do you think that there are a lot of stories uh, in the Midwest that that maybe need to be told on a bigger stage? Yeah, I do. Um, as I was telling in a previous uh, interview, you know, my story is not set in one of the cities in the coast um, or not set in, you know, of course, Chicago's in 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 the midwest but it's not set in a chicago or in atlanta but in a small flyover quote-unquote flyover community in um but you know that hat that is teeming with life and teeming with the same kind of issues and concerns that uh you know you read about happening on you know in new york city you know <laughs> right right well, um, you know, everything seems to be either in the Northeast or New York, um, L.A., and and or the South. Right. So, um, so yes, I, 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 uh, I uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to capture some of the um, life of the, the Rust Belt communities. Yeah, I have great affection for uh, the for you know this community. Um, you know, again, it's 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 
it's based very much on the on on, on the type of community, the type of city that I grew up in. So, and it's not perfect by any means, but but it has also has a lot going for it. And how important is location in a story? For me, I think it's very important. And so, like in this story here. I thought it was important to be able to describe what kind of place we're operating in because, again, it's not something that's necessarily common knowledge like a big city. Like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, New York, oh, yeah, you know, L.A., whatever. Uh, and so I, I thought it was important to be able to kind of give a sense of what the environment looked like, what the landscape feels like, what it smells like, um, you know, there's a um, scene earlier in the book where I talk about some of the smells of the plant. I think there's a very – automotive plants, manufacturing plants, have a very distinctive smell with the different solvents and – Yes, they do. Uh, exhaust and so forth. And, and I remember I hadn't been in a factory in years, and I went into um, Flint Engine South, you know, it's part of my, my day job on the project. And I was struck by how much it smelled like my old stumping ground. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Like, well, it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> location can almost uh, become a character in a book uh, in and of itself, can it? Yeah, I think so. Well, Bob, um, we just have a couple minutes left. And as you know... I always like to give uh, guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, obviously where they can find the book, but also uh, to find out about you and, and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website yet? I do. It's called uh, BobCampbellWrites.com. That's all one word, BobCampbellWrites.com. And so I have some of my um, creative nonfiction posted there, uh, as well, and of course links to Motown Man. Motown Man. Well, Bob, I wish you uh, the best of luck with this book. Um, how long do you think it'll be before we see another uh, Bob Campbell book? Oh, no pressure there, huh, Tom? Uh, <laughs> well, see, once you get one out, right away people start wanting the next one. Yeah, it's like um, you know, being in the newsroom after you have an A1 story, your, your editor comes up and says, yeah, that's great. What do you got for me for tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I hope within, you know, um, you know, the next couple of years, I can turn something out. So, you know, now that I've kind of gotten this off my plate in in some respects and kind of feel um, um, relieved and free to move on to another project. So, Do you think the next, the next one will be easier? Mm, no, I don't. And the reason why is, in doing this first one, you kind of, you know, fly off into it, kind of like, ah, you know, um, you know, let's just kind of wing it. Whereas now you kind of feel like, oh, okay, 
now there's some expectations. You can't necessarily it, wing it. There's a standard to meet now. Bob, yeah. thanks for spending this time with me this morning. Best of luck with the book, Bob Campbell. And the book is uh, Mo time. Motown Man is the book. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, Check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, Photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. 
America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Happy Holidays! From... And the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One very familiar type of song is the Christmas Carol, although it is perhaps a bit out of season at this time. However... I am informed by my disc jockey friends, of whom I have none, that uh, in order to get a song popular by Christmas time, you have to start plugging it well in advance. So here goes. It's always seemed to me, after all, that Christmas, with its spirit of giving, offers us all a wonderful opportunity each year to reflect on what we all most sincerely and deeply believe in. I refer, of course, to money. <laughs> and yet, yet none of the Christmas carols that you hear on the radio or in the street even attempts to capture the true spirit of Christmas uh, as we celebrate it in the United States. That is to say, the commercial spirit. So I should like to offer the following Christmas carol for next year as being perhaps a bit more appropriate. Christmas time is here, by golly, disapproval would be folly. Deck the halls with hunks of holly, fill the cup and don't say when. Kill the turkeys, ducks, and chickens, mix the punch, drag out the dickens. Even though the prospect sickens, brother, here we go again. On Christmas Day, you can't get sore, your fellow man you must adore. There's time to rob him all the more, the other 306 a day of war. Relations sparing no expense, send some useless old utensil, or a matching pen and pencil, just the thing I need. How nice. It doesn't matter how sincere it is, nor how heartfelt the spirit. Sentiment will not endear it, what's important is the price. Mark the Herald Tribune sings, advertising wondrous things. God rest ye merry merchants, may ye make the Yuletide pay. Angels we have heard on high Tell us to go out and buy So let the raucous sleigh bells jingle Hail our dear old friend Kris Kringle Driving his reindeer across the sky Don't stand underneath when they fly by <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
ahead of me the Brothers locked down in the county jail Cousin Shirley's on the street, she's gonna make it fail Just before Christmas, little Junior stole our tree Salvation Army brought presents for the whole family Grandma's cooking up the supper that the church folks sent Daddy's down at Honky Tonk drinking next month's rent Just another white trash Christmas comes around this time of year Celebrate on somebody's birthday
really can't stay Baby, it's cold outside I've got to go away Baby, it's cold outside The evening has been Hoping that you drive So in. very nice I'll hold your hands there just like My I. mother will start to worry Beautiful, what's your And father will be pacing the floor Listen to the fireplace So really I'd better scurry Please don't But maybe just a half a drink more I simply must go Baby, it's cold outside The answer is no Baby, it's cold outside This welcome has been Lucky that you dropped in So nice and warm Sister will be suspicious. Your lips look so My brother will be there at the door. Upon a tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mind is vicious. Your lips look so delicious. But maybe just a half a drink more. Such a I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Ah, but it's cold outside. Might think, baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this drink? Can we be had out there? I wish I knew how. As I like starlight to now, break the spell. I'll take your hand, your hair looks well. I ought to say, no, 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 sir. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. Really can't stay. But it's cold outside I've got to go home Baby, you freeze out there Say, lend me your coat It's up to your knees out there You've really been grand But don't you see How can you do this thing to There's me? bound to be talk tomorrow at least there will be plenty implied I really can't stay Over Ah, but it's cold Outside Old-fashioned radio for a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 